Colossians chapter 2 this morning. We are going to consider Thanksgiving. It seems like a fitting time of year to do that as we just celebrated it. And it is sometimes helpful to just give attention to specific things like the topic of thankfulness and especially a theme like this which is so emphasized in the scriptures so important for Christians to consider and to be practicing. And so this morning, that is what we are going to be doing, thinking about what it means to be a thankful people. But I want to start this morning in Colossians chapter 2, just reading verses 6 and 7 to kind of set the stage, and then we will dive in. So let's read Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we now ask that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your law. As we look into the pages of Scripture, cause us to see the beauty of Jesus, the full forgiveness of sin the ministry of the Spirit. Lord, this morning as we consider from your word all that we have to give thanks for, I pray that it would minister to our hearts. And Lord, I pray especially this morning for those who are in this season, this holiday season, dealing with loss of loved ones who they do not get to share this time with as they have in the past. I pray for those who are dealing with suffering that seems to never end. And as we think about these joyous times of year, we think about Thanksgiving, these don't seem like, these are not happy seasons. So I pray especially for your ministry to their hearts this morning through your spirit. Now Lord, gift me by, through the spirit. I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Growing up, uh, every year our church had a Thanksgiving praise service. I was talking to my dad about this this last week, and it's always been a highlight of the church. Every, anybody in the church was enabled to come up for a few minutes and just share what God had done in their lives over the last year to give thanks and praise to God. And I remember one time a man getting up, making the statement that Thanksgiving was his favorite holiday. For As a young man, that's not the holiday that I would probably have picked, right? Because I don't get any gifts, I don't really like turkey and I don't really like stuffing or mashed potatoes or ham. I'd rather have a ribeye or something like that. So I'm like, what is it? I do like pecan pie. That is very good. That is a good thing about Thanksgiving. But a lot of the other cultural attachments, I wouldn't say are my favorite things, especially as a young man. It changed now. But he made that statement that Thanksgiving was his favorite holiday and it stuck with me. And the reason why is because he said, Christians are the only ones who can actually celebrate this holiday, right? Because Christians are the only ones that know to whom thanks is to be given, right? Christians are to be a thankful people. That's a mark of the Christians. Throughout the Bible, Christians are commanded to give thanks, and they give thanks as a response to blessings that have been received. But Thanks is not to be limited to what we would typically call blessings, right? It's easy to give thanks for wealth, right? For opulence or things like that. 
but it is to be a lifestyle, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. And what makes a statement like that difficult for us is that thankfulness runs contrary to our very human nature, doesn't it? By nature, we are unthankful, ungrateful people. Now, a public confession, right? You may think of yourself as a fairly thankful person. I tend to think that I'm fairly thankful, right? I recognize, give thanks to God in worship and for my salvation, thank him over a meal, thank him for all the provisions that we have, but yet our unthankfulness runs quite deeply still. Do you grumble? That's unthankfulness. Complain. That's unthankfulness. Do you get frustrated? That's unthankfulness. How about irritated or angry? Those can all, those find their roots in unthankfulness. They bespeak that heart of unthankfulness. In Romans chapter one, Paul addresses the problem of the unthankfulness in the human heart. Romans one, verse 21, familiar to us, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul in Romans one, remember he's detailing for us that downward spiral of humanity till it gets to the end of the chapter and just God gives them over to their lusts, right? Well, at the very beginning, what is one of the markers of a people who are under the wrath of God? Unthankfulness. Unthankfulness. Not giving thanks to God is a marker of those who have suppressed the truth about God and their unrighteousness. Second Timothy, Paul is writing about the state of humanity in the last days, which is the days we've been in since Jesus' ascension. He says in chapter three, verse two, that people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, or unthankful could it be translated as well, unholy. Again, notice that a characteristic that is defining of unregenerate humanity is unthankfulness or ungratefulness. Also in that passage, lovers of self rather than God. What is that but unthankfulness towards the creator, seeing themselves as the highest good, living for ourselves only. Lovers of money, loving that which God gives more than the giver of the gift. Disobedient to parents, unthankfulness for authority that God has placed over them. So our problem of unthankfulness runs deep and it's ironic, right? In America, we have this cultural celebration of Thanksgiving and it largely becomes a gluttonous affair, right? Where we spend the day indulging ourselves and then the next day we get online or maybe you go to a store still, but we get online and we get a bunch of deals, right? Filling our homes with more junk than we really need and we call this Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not really here to rail on a cultural celebration of Thanksgiving. I think it's very good and it's something that we should do, right? It's a unique thing in the world. Canada celebrates it, but it's different because it's in Canada. It's not the same as us. And they do it the wrong time of year. Our Thanksgiving is unique. 
And its origins, as Pastor Jess mentioned last week, very clearly rooted in an understanding of the providence of God, his kindness towards us, Pastor Jess read last week from George Washington's Thanksgiving proclamation. But the unique thing about Thanksgiving and why we are as a nation an unthankful people is that in order to properly celebrate Thanksgiving, we need to understand to whom thanks is to be given. And we are an ungrateful people. But thanks be to God that he saves sinners and he saves unthankful people verse in Luke stood out to me this week when Jesus says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful or the unthankful and the evil. Christians know personally the almighty God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we know to whom thanks is to be given and what we give thanks for. That passage in Luke is also a call. It's a call for those who don't see their unthankfulness and their ungratefulness as separating them from God, placing them under the wrath of God. And so this morning, you should hear Luke 6 and what Jesus says is an invitation that Jesus is kind He's kind to the ungrateful and the unthankful. In our sinful state, we are ungrateful and unthankful to our creator, but yet he is kind and gracious towards us. He has extended forgiveness, full pardon for sin through Jesus Christ. We simply turn from our sin and trusting ourselves to trusting Jesus Christ alone. So this morning, what I want to do in our remaining time is a bit of a survey of what the New Testament teaches about thanksgiving. Cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving doesn't happen. Like we tell our children, like we teach them to just respond automatically to say thank you when things are given to them, right? And that's not what the New Testament does. That's not how God works, right? We respond and live a lifestyle of thankfulness when we see from the pages of Scripture, convicted by the Spirit, of all that we have to be thankful for. There are two Greek words in the New Testament that are often translated thanksgiving, thankfulness, thanks, and to give thanks. Now, I wouldn't normally bring this out, but it's, it's important because there's, there's a couple of things that I want to make note of. The two words are eucharisteo and eucharistia, right? Eucharistia is a noun, and eucharisteo is a verb. Now, if you know anything at all about Greek, which I don't really know much at all about Greek, but I do know that the Greek word is for grace is, does anybody know? Charis. What's in the middle of eucharisteo? Grace. So as we think about thanksgiving, understand that the, the, the word has in it this element of grace. That when we are talking about thanksgiving, it inherently contains this element of grace. So when we think about all that we give thanks for, Everything from God is grace. So what I did, and I did this so you don't have to do it, I surveyed all the words in the New Testament, and I've come up with this definition for biblical thanksgiving, and it's on the screen so you can read it too. Biblical thanksgiving is an ever-growing gratitude to our gracious God in all things, but especially for salvation, people, and provision. 
It is an attitude of the heart expressed in speech, in prayer and praise, and is to be cultivated in place of unthankfulness. I think that's a, what biblical thanksgiving is according to the, nef, to the New Testament. So what I wanna do, that definition is a bit of a starting place. I have a, not exhaustive, as I even thought about it this morning, I thought, oh man, I think I left a key point in my sermon out. Like, you can be thankful because otherwise we'd go way long. Uh, not exhaustive, but about five observations that I wanna make about Christians and our practice of thankfulness. First of all, We've already talked about this some, but Christians are thankful in all circumstances. You look at Ephesians chapter five and verse 20. Actually, I wanna start back in verse 18. Christians are thankful in all circumstances. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 20, which begins with that admonition to give thanks, stands in this larger context of being filled with the Spirit, right? We read that in verse 18. Don't be drunk, rather be filled with the Spirit. As we are indwelt and controlled by the Spirit, we see that outflow in verse 19 of singing and then in verse 20 of giving thanks. Submission to and control by the Spirit then means an attitude of continual thankfulness at all times and for all things. So Christians are thankful in all circumstances. I wanna make just a brief application here if I could, uh, sort of an aside to help us cultivate this attitude of thankfulness always and for everything. Christians have often found it helpful to make lists of things that they're thankful for, right? You're discouraged. What should you do? Maybe you should make a list of some things to be thankful for, even little things, and maybe, maybe especially the little things, right? Because we take for gratitude these things. For example, and I'll use myself first, earlier this week, I was getting gas at Sam's Club, and I literally had the slowest gas pump known to man. I could have pumped it by hand faster. And I was complaining. <laughs> I was looking at Jenna in the window, this thing is so slow. And it struck me in that moment because I realized I was preparing the sermon. I was impatient and I'm complaining and I'm not being thankful. I could be, I mean, yes, it was slow. But car, at least I had a gas to put in the car. At least I didn't have to ride a horse. That could be the worst, to ride a horse everywhere. Some of you don't think so, but I do. Um, <laughs> right? In, in that moment, recognize little things. What about like, this is not to be silly or trite, but when you're brushing your teeth, right? You can be thankful that you have teeth. Or if you don't have teeth, you can be thankful you have dentures. <laughs> right? If you're picking up your house for the gajillionth time in a day, like my wife often does, because of our young children, we can thank the Lord we have a house to be filled with gajillions of things. Or if you're heading to work and you're bemoaning your boss that you gotta deal with or annoying customers, right? we can thank the Lord that we have gainful employment and a means to provide. Or you're fretting and fearful over finances, 
I don't know how we're going to make it this month. Give thanks that the Lord's always been faithful, right? He's never forsaken you. He always provides in the past. We can trust him for the future. So Christians are, according to Ephesians 5, giving thanks always and for everything to God. Secondly, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, I already mentioned it earlier, but you can turn there to look at it again. Christians are to give thanks no matter the situation, the circumstances, the joys, or the sorrows, for Christians have confidence that the situations of our lives are ordained and happening according to the will of God. So hear what Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How do we give thanks in all circumstances? Well, it goes back to when we were in Romans chapter 8. We are looking at verse 28 for a couple of weeks, right? We talked about God working all things together for good for those who love him. Well, we know, according to Romans 8, 28, and the rest of Scripture, that God is working all things according to his purposes, according to his will and the good of his children. And in Romans 8, you'll remember in verse 29, the good that God is accomplishing is conformity to Christ. So giving of thanks in all circumstances doesn't have to be begrudging or faked or coerced, right? We can acknowledge pain and difficulty and lament and yet give thanks to God. That's what he's encouraging us here to do. Giving of thanks does not happen when everything pans out the way we want it to. Giving of thanks is made to a God who is actively working in all circumstances for our good. Jerry Bridges wrote that book, Respectable Sins, and he has a chapter on unthankfulness. And he makes this point. He says, the giving of thanks in a disappointing or difficult situation is always to be done by faith in the promises of God, right? I come to a difficult situation and I don't say, how do I give thanks to God for this? It's done by faith in the promises of God. God, you will not fail me. Giving thanks in that way, recognizing his faithfulness that all situations and seasons of life are part of his will. I was reminded this last week of the song Blessings by Laura Story. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. When we think about giving thanks to God, we think in terms, again, often of blessings received, right? It's easy to give thanks at a meal or things like that. But we must calibrate our idea of blessings with God's, right? And that's what the lyrics of her song help us do. The first verse and the chorus say this, we pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise, right? Giving thanks 
in all circumstances as we're admonished to do in 1 Thessalonians 5 is often giving thanks for mercies in disguise. Giving thanks in all circumstances is actively cultivating a heart of thankfulness to God in all things and for all things. So Christians give thanks in all circumstances. Moving along, Christians give thanks, secondly, for salvation. This is very clear throughout the New Testament. Colossians chapter one, verse 12, Paul is praying. He's praying and saying, he's giving thanks in this prayer to the Father who has qualified you, speaking about the Colossians, but really all believers, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul is modeling here prayer, praying for this church in Colossae, teaching them to give thanks for or to the father who has done some specific things, right? Notice, who has once for all given us a portion of his kingdom, He has, according to these verses, made us children, adopted us into the family of God. We are now called saints in light. Therefore, we are to give thanks to the Father for this bounty that has been bestowed upon us. He also teaches us to give thanks to the Son. Why? Well, he has done this work of redemption whereby we are forgiven of all of our sins. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Christians should give thanks for that. that, that we, that's why we're Christians. Christians should give continual thanks for redemption, having been bought out of the slave market of sin. That's what it's pictured that we're sold into. Bought out of the slave market of sin and we've been brought into a loving relationship with the creator of the universe, we are now sons and daughters of the king. What a miraculous transaction that has occurred. Christians give thanks for salvation. First Thessalonians chapter two, look at that, verse 13. Again, Paul is expressing thanks to God for a work done in this church. He says in verse 13, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So Paul is praying, giving thanks to God for these believers, but specifically, I want you to notice, he's giving thanks for how they received the word of God, right? It takes spiritual eyes to comprehend spiritual truths. So Christians give thanks to God that he opened our spiritual eyes to understand and to believe the truth of the gospel. We sing the hymn, O Great God, and the second verse says this, I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joys, right? That's the state of every person apart from Christ. Then we sing, then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me, 
through the gospel of your son gave me endless hope and peace. Christians give thanks to God because God opens our eyes to see the truth of Jesus. He gives life to spiritually dead hearts. He saves the rebel. Christians give thanks to God because they know apart from his intervention, they would never be saved. If God does not intervene, we are lost forever. Christians give thanks to God for lavish grace that is shown to them. They realize the depths of their sin, their hopelessness. They see they are undeserving this kindness and favor and that only by God's grace and mercy are they saved. We are to be an eternally grateful people. Eternity will be unbroken with perfect praise to our God who saves. Revelation chapter seven gives us a foretaste of this. John sees this scene. He says, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Eternity will be filled with unbroken, perfect praise to our saving God. Thirdly, Christians give thanks for people. Christians give thanks for people. This is possibly the largest category in the New Testament. When you go and think about in terms of what Christians give thanks for there, I think by more references giving thanks to God for people than anything else. Let that shape your thinking for a moment about your relationships to your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Is your first inclination to gripe and complain about a brother or sister in Christ or to give thanks to God for them, even when they're annoying you? I'm gonna read just a number of verses, make some quick comments on these. I think you can see the breadth of how we give thanks for people and what we give thanks for. First of all, in Romans 1, you often see these in Paul's introductions and his conclusions in the epistles. Romans 1, verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Okay? First of all, Paul gives public thanks for people. Public thanks. He's writing this letter to an entire church and it's gonna be circulated far beyond that. And he wants people to know, I thank God for this church, for these people. He thanks God, he wants others to know about it, right? There are times and places where we express public thanks to God for people, and for what God has done in them. And we do that 
so that other people will also give thanks to God, right? They, they see that and they recognize it and go, thank God for that person as well, right? There's a place for public giving of thanks to God for people. You give thanks to God for others, we see this in Romans 1 verse 8, so that others might recognize the grace of God in them, right? He says, your faith is proclaimed in all the world, right? Gives thanks to God so that others can see what God is doing in them, right? These people are boldly proclaiming the gospel. Their conversion is being heard about around the world, So you give thanks to God as well for the good work that God is doing in them and through them. We give thanks to God for what he is doing in and through people. Another one in Ephesians 1, verse 16. This is another prayer of Paul's. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Here's a very simple prayer practical thing that we should be regularly doing, giving thanks to God for people in prayer, right? I trust that daily you're spending time in prayer, and as you're doing that, you're praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and as you're praying through the directory, you're giving thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, for putting that person in this local body. They have a role and a place here. I thank you for what you're doing in them. I thank you for how you're sustaining them in difficult seasons. I thank you for the way you've blessed them and gifted them, right? That's giving thanks to God for people in prayer, right? As we do this, one, we're recognizing this person is a gift from the Lord, right? And even as you're tempted, be like, by some people sometimes, right? Not me ever. Um, (laughs) But you're acknowledging as you give thanks to God for them, you're acknowledging that this person is a gift from the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 9, Paul says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God? This is an, an emotionally charged verse. What thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Here, Paul is giving thanks for blessings received, right? This this church is obviously ministered to him. He feels immense joy and love from them. So his response is, boy, what thanks can I give to God for the blessing that you are to me? Secondly, I think there's a principle here of give thanks so that other believers know and feel your genuine love for them, right? That's a way of expressing, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this way that you bless me and minister to me. There's a heartfelt joy that Paul is expressing here, which we would do well to model ourselves. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Here Paul, I think, uses thanksgiving for people to encourage them, right? He's encouraging them through thanks because he sees a growing faith and a genuine love 
amongst these brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Think about it this way. If you give thanks to God for a brother or sister's growth growth in godliness, as they hear that, that thanks, it will serve as an encouragement to them, right? We can often be... we can often have a wrong perception of our spiritual growth, right? We can really be uh, discouraged by our perceived lack of spiritual growth. But when we give thanks to God for others' growth and godliness, it serves to encourage them. I don't recognize that, but you do. Praise the Lord, right? That's a way to encourage one another. Encourage people for the evident growth that you see in their lives. Give thanks to God that he is the one producing that. Lastly, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. The admonition here is give thanks for those whom you may not naturally be inclined to give thanks for, those who are in high positions of authority over us. We do that because we know they are put there by God, right? In our current political climate, it's kind of tricky, right, to do that at times, to give thanks to God for these people, but yet he has put them there for a reason they are being used according to God's will and his purposes. So give thanks to God, even for those we may not naturally be inclined to. So Christians give thanks in all circumstances. They give thanks for salvation, give thanks for people. Fourth, I wanna bring out this point, that Christians fight sin with thankfulness. Unthankfulness is a sin, and there's two specific passages in the New Testament that instruct us in thanksgiving as a way to combat that. First is in Philippians chapter four, verse six. Look there, another familiar passage to us. Philippians four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Anxiety can be a sinful fear or worry. We get anxious when things seem out of control. There's an unknown in the future. Yet there's feelings of anxiety that creep in upon us. And anxiety is our attempts to control those things. I'm gonna bring this into my domain Things are spinning out of place, so I get anxious. Well, how does thanksgiving fight the sin of anxiety? Well, thanksgiving to God is the exact opposite of anxiety, right? Instead of fearing the future or seeking to control or manipulate a situation, we express thanks to God. I don't know the future, but thank you, Lord, you do. As we replace anxiety with thanksgiving, what we're doing is we're relinquishing our attempts at control and manipulation. And what we're doing is we are entrusting our souls to our faithful creator while doing good. So we fight anxiety with thankfulness. The second passage is in Ephesians chapter five, verse four. 
Actually, I'm gonna read verse three first. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. And starting there in verse three, right, you're given a list of behaviors to put off, and each one of these can be replaced with thankfulness. Think about it in this way, right? Instead of participating in sexual immorality, whereby you are unthankful to God for your spouse, perhaps, or for your singleness. Rather, let there be thanksgiving to God. Instead of covetousness, a discontentedness with what you have and a desire for something else, let there be thanksgiving to God for what you have and what he has provided for you. Instead of coarse speech, foolish joking, crass language, where we're using our words to mock and distort the good gifts of God, let there be thanksgiving to God. Christians cultivate hearts of thankfulness and gratitude to fight sin. And we recognize that there are very specific instances where we need to stop, evaluate our thoughts and our actions, and seek to intentionally cultivate an attitude of thankfulness instead of continuing in those sins. So Christians can fight sin with thankfulness. Finally, I want to bring us to this point, this conclusion, as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's table. Christians give thanks in the Lord's table. So Christians give thanks in all circumstances. They give thanks to God for salvation, for people. We fight sin with thankfulness. And then as we come now to the Lord's table, this is a unique way which we give thanks to the Lord. I mentioned earlier those two Greek words for thanksgiving, eucharisteo and eucharistio. And if you were a keen ear, you'd hear that and you'd think of another word that we use in English, eucharist, which stands for, or is often used for the Lord's table. And it comes from Jesus's institution of this memorial on that night in the upper room when he gives thanks right? Takes the bread, he takes the cup, and he gives thanks to God. He eucharisteos, right? So as we turn our attention each week to the Lord's table, we give thanks for the bread and for the cup. And we do these things not giving thanks merely for just the elements as they are, but we give thanks for what they represent. So this morning as we come forward and receive these elements, we partake together, think on these things. Our Savior, heading into the most agonizing hours of his earthly life, the most agonizing hours that any human has ever endured, gives thanks to God, teaches us and models for us thankfulness, and instills, institutes this memorial to be something whereby we, on a regular basis, Give thanks to God. Secondly, in this memorial, we are reminded again of that most precious gift, the gift of salvation. Apart from that, the, we have nothing to give thanks for, right? Our salvation is at the root of all of our other thanksgivings to God. 
And that's what we, rep- what we remember as we partake of the bread and the cup. And then finally, understand that as we partake of the bread and cup, this is an act of thankful worship. Right? We are worshiping God each week when we do in obedience to what Jesus has said. Take the bread, take the cup. Our hearts are renewed in simple faith in Jesus Christ alone as we partake of these things, saying, I have no other hope than Jesus Christ. And so we give thanks to God. Let's pray. Father, we have considered the many blessings that we have received from you, the instructions that you have given to us, the times and seasons for thankfulness. And now, Lord, we ask that you would feed our faith again through this memorial, that as we take the bread and as we take the cup, we are reminded again of that wonderful gift of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ alone. We pray this in his name, amen.